for the most entertaining talk anywhere. Stay tuned to L.A. Talk Radio, your real talk station, 24 hours of commercial-free programming. Hey, everybody, this is Nick Rutherford, and you are lucky to be listening to The Green Room. Don't forget to call in. Shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. And we do what the fuck we want to do. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room. And don't forget, you can tweet the show on air at Green Room Show. And now, live from Sherman Oaks, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone. Welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on LATalkRadio.com. Feel free to give us a call at any point in the program, 323-2030-815. And that, of course, is LegalZoom self-help hotline. LegalZoom is proud to sponsor the show. You can go to LegalZoom.com, get all your self-help legal needs taken care of. And if you enter green at the checkout, you get the special Green Room discount. And, of course, my special man, my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, thanks for being on the show, man. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I like it, Logan. Every <laughs> every week, it's like opening up. A, you never a, know. You genuinely sometimes like sometimes you're waiting for it, but sure. that time you totally no. I was I was taken back by it. It's like a fortune cookie. You never knew which way it's gonna go. It's always enjoyable. And speaking of that, Logan, we have a great program. We uh, we're bringing on a real radio guy. You can listen to him Finally. daily at uh, www.classic98rock.com, Baltimore's uh, rock station. And you can follow him on Twitter, at FunnyJustin. I'd like to welcome on Justin Schlegel. Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Well, thank both of you guys for having me on. This is fucking fantastic. You've got real sponsors, fantastic voices, a real facility. You got it. And you can also find me at 98online.com. Classic. Okay. The Classic 98 Rock is our... Uh, it's our, one of our HD stations, Oh, okay, and it plays sorry. just the music that no one can let die, oh, okay. like the Speedwagon, <laughs> the Journey, the Boston. 98 Online is going to have your more... Okay, that's going to have a little more contemporary stuff, what the yeah, kids are what, what the, the kids, kids are shoving to. their hands down their pants. Now, I was, I was a guest on your show. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I enjoy the uh, traditional radio. Obviously, obviously things are kind of changing, but yeah, the old old school DJ, the format of it, I enjoy it, and you know, definitely enjoy some of the music. How long have you been uh, working as a DJ? I've been a DJ. It's funny. I actually I moved away from home to become a DJ like 12 years ago. And, and hoping that it would somehow turn into stand-up comedy. And I, I worked in radio from, like, 99 until 2004 as, like, a board op, promotions guy, producer for a station that kept flipping formats. I got let go. And uh, after five years of the station flipping format, the night it finally flipped again and I got fired, I went to a local karaoke night, got hit-faced, hammered, <laughs> grabbed the mic. I said I was going to sing Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. I didn't. Right, I just started flipping out about my ex job and boss. I was just cussing uncontrollably. I think I exposed myself, and I got, I got yanked. I love how that's that's the one part of the story he doesn't yeah. remember. He glosses over that part. That's yeah. probably the most extreme part. I, of I may have showed my genitalia at some point, but I know I remember the song yeah. I requested. It was living on. I worked really hard and I struggled. By the way, this is my dick. Now, I was saying, I don't get a 401k, yada, yada. So I No up, benefits for five years. They wouldn't give me an overnight shift. What is up with this business? What's the deal? By the way, 
this is my dick. Anyways, <laughs> my boss is a bastard. So I, I, I was told to come back, and I did like an open mic on Sunday at the same place. So wait, you were told comedy. to come back. Usually, I was told to come back. Usually, like, you get put the you... hog away. We got a night for that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Usually, you don't get asked back when you when you freak out at the karaoke night. Well, because you're, I'm guessing you were being funny about it. And... I was just drunk and just rambling because I was just, I was, I, I literally had a falling down moment. Like I, I just lost it and flipped out on stage, ranted, and I mean, I was up there right for like a minute, maybe. They got yanked off and said, "Hey, we got an open mic thing on Sunday. You want to do that crap? You come to that, and don't don't mess with my open my my, my karaoke night." Jerry, you, you think comedians are serious, or you know, comedians get the or they get um they get branded with this idea of oh they take themselves so seriously. Comedians pale in comparison to how serious karaoke singers take themselves. Like, yes. There is, you know, you want to joke about oh this guy's so intense about five minutes at an open mic at a coffee shop. Watch people do karaoke. They're singing other people's songs. I kid you not. We gave away recently we're our big promotion at our station right now. We do U Tuesday. We're giving away U two tickets. A dude won tickets two weeks ago. Third row U two seats. First Mariner Arena. He had to turn them the fuck down because he had a karaoke tournament in Moncton, Virginia that he was on like he was like the fourth seed. He was in like nine weeks into this thing. So, dude, I can't go. I'm scheduled to sing Lionel Richie's Hello and well, I could win well over three hundred dollars in like a month's supply of Charleston shoes. <laughs> like these are worth much more. This is you too. So much you could sell these third row tickets. You could probably wave to the edge and maybe he could t- you know you could basically be in the band you're sitting so close oh but no you're gonna be you know johnny chuckle hut somewhere in moncton on this karaoke craptastic machine in front of nine other losers well, that are huffing primer well now justin this is not regular season karaoke <laughs> yeah, this oh. Is, oh this is real deal this is playoff time god damn it this is playoffs this is playoffs this is their big time of year yeah you get nuts though that is, yeah, it is, it is bizarre. And I understand, okay, hey, I want to be a singer, so I go do karaoke night. Great way to do cover songs. Okay, I understand that. But to have such passion about <laughs> someone's artistry and you want to be an artist, that's, that's, where, I, that's where the disconnect then is. Then I pose a question to both of you. I've asked other people this question before. There are karaoke people that get intense, sing other people's songs, and some of these people can genuinely sing. There are cover bands. There's a band called Battery that is a Metallica cover band. It's ridiculous. They play amazing stuff, but they never do anything on their own. Why are there no cover comics? I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess maybe when I get up, or like I play guitar, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good at guitar or whatever. It's been sitting under my bed for years. But when you play something, and I guess you get some joy out of it, like when you play something and it, that rocks, even if it's someone else's song, maybe, okay, you feel something there. But I guess maybe if you're doing someone else's jokes and you're, you're getting laughs off it, it doesn't feel the same yeah, because way. Because we're immediately I, told, you know, we're, we're thieves, we're, you're, you're, yeah, you're well, your crossman, see is the I was stuff. just going to say, like, I think it's a cultural thing. I think in the world of stand-up comedy, that's really frowned upon. Oh, but it's in, heavy in frowned music, upon. In music, it's just become... It's culturally acceptable. It's flattering. You're helping me get my music out there. You know, I encourage you to copy me. But yeah, with 
with humor. You gotta wonder with though, humor, if there was... it's almost like, oh, they think that's my joke, and you said. <laughs> but what if someone came out full frontal and was like, I am a George Carlin cover comic, okay? <laughs> well, oh, I mean, that's that basically way, yeah. what that's basically what Gallagher too was. Yeah, right. Gallagher was so popular <laughs> that he couldn't do all the dates, so his brother was like, I'll do exactly the same thing. I know how to smash a watermelon. Yeah. I can do that. I can figure. I can ride the square bike. They can find another square bike or whatever he did. What if we found out there was nine Mencias? <laughs> yes, there was a whole right. just. Well, there, there are there are nine Mencias, but they're probably still living at home. And yeah. He, I think he came from. I mean, Carlos Mencia. I think he came from a family one of fourteen, some some crazy large family. I don't know the exact number. And it was so many kids that they all couldn't live in one house, and he lived next door with his aunt and uncle, or some weird family situation where the parents were in one house and he was next door in another house. I mean, it's when um, when Mark Marin interviewed him for his uh, WTF podcast, it's it's clear early on why this guy is so desperate to be loved to the point that he would get and start stealing jokes. It becomes uh, painfully obvious what kind of drove him to just rip off people yeah. like that. So and I, I guess you know I, you guys may both make great points that it's a it's it's a yearning to be accepted like uh, Mencia dealt with and you know you made a great point that uh you know artistically it's considered flattery musically but it's considered complete thievery in the comic world. Well, yeah, I, Mencia I think Mencia didn't uh, ever say like oh this by the way this is a uh, this is Bill George Cosby Lopez. Joke. Yeah, exactly. He claims he never heard Bill Cosby say that joke, which by the way is insane if you're a comic. Well, it's more yeah. just like he's never heard a Bill Cosby act that's like one he, of his most famous acts. Yeah, I mean, he's convinced himself. <laughs> he's he's in a whole nother mental spectrum where he's convinced himself that he thought of it. So to him, he's still getting that rush of, "Oh, I thought of this and it made people laugh. I'm still getting that rush." Some dudes are pathological like that though. I mean, I've worked with guys before. Yeah. I've worked with a particular DJ before. That is He's in. He's completely batshit insane, and he steals <laughs> other people's bits, morning show bits, characters, oh, stuff off stage <laughs> contests, and he swear. I mean, he steals famous. Uh, he, the Opie and Anthony uh, birdbath, the classic, the dude that drank like 30 gallons of eggnog and yacked it all over an intern, okay. which is one of the most horrific radio bits of all time, <laughs> but awesome. He tried to do that with like you know baked beans. He tried to you know have a fat chick eat a bunch of baked beans like three cases worth and then yeah. chuck it all over a promotions guy. And y- you could literally corner him and train a 357 Magnum on him and be like, you stole these, didn't you? No, I didn't. Well, I guess that's it's what mental. they used to do to Robin Williams. People would freak out because they felt like Robin Williams stole some of their bits and to the point that they would grab him and like shove him against the wall. And you know, it gets physical because people are that are that passionate about what they do and they you know they take it personally. He eventually got to the point where he's just writing checks to people. Yeah. yeah he was eventually just being like, that was your – here you go. Exactly, but that, I mean, honestly, as far as Robin Williams, I feel like if you're a fan of Robin Williams, what you enjoy about him is his performance. I mean, his material, or whatever, wherever he gets the material, I feel like with him, it's obvious this guy's a performer. Like, that, I think that's why he's good at dramatic acting. Oh, yeah, he's 90% performance, 10% writing, and then, yeah, you make a good point, you see him offstage, especially one-hour photo. I mean, how great was he in one-hour photo? Yeah. So creepy. One-hour photo. Not a hint of any type of, uh, um... You know, humor whatsoever. Uh, insomnia. Goodwill Hunting. Pacino, he was really good. Goodwill Hunting. Man, how, it's fun, not your fault. how fun yeah. must it be to work with him on a serious picture? <laughs> like yeah. in between sad scenes, like he's 
non-stop cracking jokes. Yeah, the minute that they're like cut, he goes from... <laughs> he does all I, these characters. When I was a child, I was forced to do <laughs> such horrible things on camera. <laughs> and cut! Yeah. Pop-tarts, pop-tarts, pop-tarts! Yeah, I mean, you talk about guys who can't turn it off. I mean, he, he, you, when, he when he goes on these press junkets, just sit back and relax and just enjoy a grown man who's who's so successful, but yet so just desperate. He is just on fire. He's like, hey, David Letterman! Yeah, you know, he, he's just so over the top yeah. insane energy yeah and you gotta wonder will there ever come a point where age finally catches up with him because <laughs> well, he's like he's had heart issues he's ha- he's had heart issues and you know he'll go away for periods but when he's got to do press or when he's getting back in the limelight that doesn't slow him down you just gotta he's wait got for that- his heart to pop just like a goddamn water balloon you're just gonna see his ribs open like a phone book <laughs> He's just gonna just gonna be this will, tidal wave will of have in the front row. Stage. Oh yeah, he's gonna pull a total effing scanners. His head is just gonna. Well, he'll be saying he'll be like make a one liner as he dies. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, walking into the light. Is it a fluorescent? Is it a neon? Is it <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> St. Peter's off to the side going, hey, blah, blah, blah. hey, yeah, hey Peter, you're not on Paul, the list. Mary, who's up here choking on a ham sandwich? Yeah, it's kind of like a club, you know. Hey, you can't get back to the velvet rope. Oh, you're not my hands. I'm so scared. I feel fire. I'm in hell. All right, well, Jeffers. Uh, Justin, unlike yeah. uh, unlike Robin Williams, you, you write your all your own material. So you started out, you had a karaoke night, you kind of hit rock bottom. You had been doing when bottomed did you, out. When did you first start uh, doing radio? When did you first start getting involved? in that? Well, I started getting like oh, so I had that original run, you know, the first five year training thing. Then that night of karaoke that went bad. I started doing comedy from that point forward, which was always my end game. It just it way went off the path the way I thought it was gonna. So I, I've been doing comedy pretty solidly since 2003, 2004. And as I started to achieve some kind of prominence around the D.C. Baltimore scene, the station I work for now, 98 Rock, uh, I started going in for uh, just to be a guest, to fill in here and there. If they had guests drop out, I'd go do promotions for them. They'd have contests that people would play against me. They would kind of use me as their big all-around jack-of-all-trades fall yeah, guy. local comedian. Yeah, exactly. Get on the air. And, for, and, and anytime I could get on, there would be some sort of promotion for me. And then I was, uh, I, I made it clear to some of the powers that be, he's like, you know, I've got some radio background. I can I can run a board. I can do production and all that. If you ever have anybody dip on a weekend or during the day or anything like that, I can take over. And they started giving me some shots in 2007, 2008. I buddied up with the night show guy at the time. I used to go in there once a week and then twice a week. And then three times a week, and then he started having issues outside of the radio station. He had to leave suddenly. I <laughs> all, all DJs have issues. Oh, at dude, some point. you never meet a happy DJ. <laughs> Every one of them are pulling rails the length of a pool cue, a yayo in the bathroom, <laughs> riddled with disease, <laughs> riddled with disease. And finally, he just left. I filled in, and then when it came time to put the job posting online to find the new DJ, I'm like, well, I've been doing this for three weeks. You can just hire me. Exactly. And they did. Which was in 2010, and uh, right as I get hired full time, I get Montreal. Okay, and, and of course uh, that's a Montreal festival. It's a big festival for uh, comedians, comedians, and yeah. yeah, I mean it definitely helps kind of bring your prominence to the next level. Helps you get some management, that kind of stuff. That's what happened. That bottlenecked, which is a problem because I was like, I've got this full time radio job. I mean, you know, as a comic, you know, we we struggle forever to make any kind of ends meet, you know, doing whatever paid gigs a month and then struggling during the day or whatever. Yeah. Craptastic job, jacking off endangered species, <laughs> trying to collect their seed for future generations to exactly. cr- right the wrongs of ours. And yeah, little you know, chestnut. Yeah, yeah that, little, that little nugget. And um, I get this job with the radio station that's 
you know, it's full time, it's a good salary, but I'm locked down because it's seven to midnight. I can't do open mics, I can't do showcases. I'd have to take off every now and then and do like a local show. But then I get Montreal, which is like, okay, I'm going to go get a little prominence, get some management agency. But then that leaves the radio station behind, and that's done. What the fuck do I do? Yeah. And I was able to work out a deal with the radio station where I actually bought like a bunch of this equipment in front of us. I was able to find like old used versions of it and secondhand stuff, and I basically cobbled together a home studio that I'm going to be paying off some goddamn 80 unless <laughs> things take off out here. Yeah. And I built a home studio at my place out here that I told them when it was time for me to leave. I was like, you can find somebody else, have to rebrand it, retrain someone, reintroduce them to the area, resell all the advertising with this guy's voiceover and stuff, or let me do it out from L.A. I'll pay for all my equipment, my own T1 line, just have somebody exactly. literally come in and pop me up. So I'm able to do my show from 4 to 9 out here. And then at night, go out and do comedy and do auditions. I can even record a big chunk of the show, as you saw. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll do, like, awesome. auditions during the day. I'll do my radio show. I kept my salary. And then at night, I'm able to come and, and hang out with you fine white folk. No, I know. It's, it seems I'm, I was completely you, jealous. Are you white, by any chance? Because you got a little bit know. of a twinge of color to you. I'm adopted. If you told me you were. My parents asked for a white baby, but I think they got I think <laughs> they got, they got the 50-50. You look like half. Logan definitely seemed maybe, I don't know. You you got a full beard, so I don't think Native American. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe yeah, some. I, uh, I was going to go with like a taste of Chippewa. Everyone, every ethnicity thinks I'm there. I'm pretty default. Because you've human. got the white lack of self-esteem, but you've got that smooth <laughs> golden skin and real hearty does, features. Like you've got hearty features. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't burn. So you, you get sunburn really bad, Logan. No, I haven't worn. Uh, no, I've been getting tan at our new pool. <laughs> no, Ladies, come over. I mean, look at his jawline. Yeah. I mean, that's, right. A, right. it's that's weird a stout now. dude. I mean, the amount of hair coverage. I mean, your beard goes all the way to your knuckles. Justin, Justin's <laughs> making a move on Logan. Dude. Yeah, the, the beard's kind of out of control. I need to get a beard trimmer. I just have a. I Let lost me shave the, you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me shave you with my lips. That'll be a, that'll be our next uh, radio stunt. Yeah. <laughs> letting, letting Justin go off on. We're Logan. gonna scotch tape a Mach three to my taint. Let me just <laughs> cop a squat on your jawline. Just let on. him work isn't over Logan. A, isn't that a stern gig? <laughs> yes. Damn it. I'm sure. Yeah, you're the next. Uh, you're the next. Get it. <laughs> Um, so now things have been taken off out here. I know you recently did the Bridgetown Comedy Festival out in Portland. Yeah. Now, in general, I know going from the east to the west coast, going from Baltimore to coming out to Los Angeles, that's a huge mindset change. How was it up in Portland for you? It's a, it's a culture shock because I am not uh, a real alt comic per se. And that thing is just the altiest alt to ever alt an alt. I mean, there was more. If you... If you have a, a thing for indie record stores and bands that will not make it, <laughs> move to Portland. All right. Yeah, my, <laughs> my buddy's uh, friend, Casey Fay, who comes on the show as a comedian, his brother lives out there, and he said something to me that p- bands in Portland will apologize for their success. Like, if they get really popular, they'll start, you know, they'll, they'll talk about on the show or whatever gig they're doing, like, hey, sorry, we just signed to a label. I'm so sorry. We're going to have our song featured on Glee. Don't be mad at us. Like, the dude at the indie <laughs> bookstore that makes that really good you know, tofu pepperoni pizza, you know, during the open mic slam poetry jam. Dude, just suck the contents <laughs> out of my midsection. Are you kidding me, dude? The minute, the minute I even just catch a whiff of success, 
Everyone's dead to me. Back <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone. I will never speak to a family <laughs> now, now member, explain, old friend again. Try to try to put into words what the alt comedy scene is for someone who ju- just listens to stand up casually. Describe to them what the difference uh, between a regular show or, or what a traditionally an alt stand up would be called. It's it, you know what it's 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 so hard for me to nail down. For example, there are the 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 alt rooms that I've seen out here and the alt comics that I've encountered are super funny. The rooms are great. <clears throat> They're well run. The problem, and, and I, and this is a, this is a carryover from my scene. This is not an LA thing. This is, this is a chip from my previous scene in DC, Baltimore. That there was, there was a time for some reason three or four years ago, people started getting really high up on improvs nuts. Not the club, the actual act of doing <clears throat> improv. And in you a would, good way? Yeah, no. No, not the actual directly on the squad. I mean, like, people would... You're talking about audiences? Doing... uh, No, uh, performers. Oh, okay. Comedians... uh, You know, Rory Scovel. No, I'm saying... Are you saying that was more popular or less popular? No, it was more popular. There was... was, When I first started in in Baltimore, D.C., the the, the theme was... uh, The the big thing was, are you a comic or are you a crossover comic? Crossover was, can you do the white room, the black room, the rich room, the poor room, the country room, the city room? Can you cross over between all of them? That was badass. Then that like the cop away. in uh, The Wire. You can, go, you can go in East Baltimore, you can go in West yes, Baltimore, dude. you can go anywhere. You can float around all sides of the fence and be fine. That was what people strove to achieve. Then, um, you're, you're familiar with Rory Scovel. Yes. Uh, Andy Haynes, uh, who's in, from Seattle. He's, he's in New York now. These are dudes that were great comics and started doing some improv. Actually, Rory, I think, had an improv background. And he... Flourished when he accepted improv into his set, and what happened was, is he would do like some material and then just kind of start riffing. But his improv was so solid and so good, it was always funny and very well done and very entertaining. What unfortunately a byproduct of it is that this generation of comics under us saw just the riffing part and not the material, and then all of a sudden we started getting like 30, 40, 50 cats that were just riffing. Right. There was no material. There was maybe a joke, and then just a lot of not even crowd work, just this real like, I mean like this like you know the way Janine Garofalo's gotten yeah. real <laughs> odd these past few years like you know a lot of comics have like a big closer and I don't do a closer. Like, I paid thirty dollars to see you right. for yeah I guess I guess Janine Garofalo joke. Janine Garofalo maybe is probably the best example where she just comes up there with a the notepad and not really that she's above the idea of stand up. Or the joke is that I'm up here doing stand-up. Look at me. I'm a darling. I just made a joke. Wink, like, smile. Oh, I didn't mean to make a joke. We all paid. We are right. at a show. All you don't right? have I to be ashamed that you're going up there. Yes. You're performing. That's that's part of the gig. And, yes, when you're in the moment and you're riffing, that's interesting. But I, I think I think it's good to have a uh, have a have an act, at least, to kind of like be a backbone. And then you can work off that. Yes, to pepper in, to bridge the gaps between stuff, which Rory does masterfully. Andy does masterfully Hampton Ute and Aparna yeah. uh, and Anchurla are out here those guys mastered it I mean they're they're in, incredible off the cuff and their material is wonderful there's just a lot of people out there that that now that when my scene was considered all were these people that were doing all these weird like off the cuff like they would take that plant over in the corner and put it on the stool and have a talk <laughs> right. with it like it was its father right and would Zach Galifianakis nowhere. but not funny yeah Zach Galifianakis who <laughs> it, yeah I was, Zach I was actually well. gonna say like where do the comedians of comedy fall into that because I've always thought of them as alternative. Well, I, I they think call themselves I that, think they were. I know they I, write a lot of. Right, I think they were. Jokes. They were considered alternative at that time because 
club comedy was big, and every the the, uh, the big form of stand-up was just straight observational. Like, hey, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. That kind of that kind of comedy was totally big. And then they kind of they took a they took a turn with it as far as oh, hey, let's kind of do some do some riffing. Let's kind of do non-traditional venues. Let's kind yeah. of open up the game instead of just the straight clubs. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And every one of them on the comedians of comedy would do that, but the end result was always funny. And that was that was why I was like, okay, this alt comedy, as far as the comedians of comedy are concerned, is great. You would have Patton and Brian Posehn doing wonderful music and pop culture references that were great. Yeah. And there was always good material under it. You had Maria Bamford doing all these really strange characters that were floating in and out of stories, I mean, very non sequitur, but always funny. And then Zach would do... You know, the almost Henny yeah. Youngman style one-liners <laughs> over top of a piano that would have some really strange sight gags. Like, a, you know, if you saw Live at the Purple Onion, he'd have like a children's choir come out. Like, it it was really, really funny. But, but it was always, is it, the, the the how do I put this? It was it was great in the fact that it looked so unplanned at some points, but was so meticulously well done. I think right. a lot of care was put into it as to where there's a ton of people back where I came from. Where there wasn't a ton of care put into it, it was a very like oh it's kind well, of half ass. It, it totally looks like this guy like look at Patton up there ranting about KFC famous balls. Well, I'll, I'll rant about something that pissed me off today, but <laughs> exactly. like, you don't know Patton is devilishly intelligent and, and <laughs> really probably thought that out in his head many many times before it came out, and, right. and the same with the other people on there. So now that I've come out here and I see the alt scene here. It's very much more the latter of the comedians of comedy. You get a lot of weird cats. You got like James Domian. I love uh, Jake Weissman's become a good friend. Yeah. Um, Funny guys. Who's super Sean Perlman. I've met a lot of uh, uh, Abby Launder, uh, Kyle Kinane. Yeah. They're all great dudes, and they're all uh, they're all I would say non-traditional. You're, none of them are, are your your Jeff Foxworthies. Your you know, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying you know they're not their traditional you know. Set up a joke punchline. Yeah, set up yeah, joke yeah. punchline. They're all very funny, very original, and that is what I consider alt and good alt comedy. I consider where I came from lazy half-assedness. So, now, where where you came from? Obviously, Baltimore, Raventown, yes. big, big big sports town, especially uh, Orioles. I would imagine to some degree, but sucks so much, bad. Yeah, I mean, when you haven't put out a competitive team in a while, it's kind of hard to maintain that fan base. But the Ravens. They've been uh, pretty competitive here for the past decade. What's it like going from there out here to Los Angeles, which is pretty ambivalent when it comes to sports in general, except the the Mexicans, they seem to really enjoy the Dodgers, and there's there's definitely a real fan base there. But what, what's your take on Lakers fans? We, we are in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, you are. No, it's it's a, the it's, Lakers have been knocked out. I'm not I'm not a basketball fan. My sports are. Um, uh, football, hardcore, MMA, UFC, big time. Uh, a little hockey. I love hockey. Uh, baseball and basketball I don't really care about. I grew up in a suburb of D.C., so the team, it was the Redskins. Redskins, Redskins, Redskins. Then I worked in radio in Baltimore, so it was Ravens, Ravens. And I almost had, like, two teams. I rooted for the Ravens because they were, you know, the, the official football team of our station. We're the official radio station of their team. 
but the Skins always held something really close to my heart, even though that they have just been just a cup of hot bloody farts for like a <laughs> decade. They've so, been difficult. Oh, dude. So and I'm, I was really glad when they got Donovan McNabb. I was like, yes, finally, you guys, you guys can enjoy Donovan McNabb for a while. See what it's like. Yeah, enjoy close but no cigar <laughs> for two, three, four years. Enjoy now, a guy. He's our third stringer now. I mean, goddamn, you have McDonovan McNabb who was on. I, I think ESPN did a poll with um, athletes recently, like the top 100 players yes, in football. Yes, I did see that. And he was number 100. <laughs> and he's third string. He's our third string quarterback. But we have we have Beck and Grossman. Are one and two? Yeah, I, we I don't know. suck. We might know. as well have know. goddamn Jim Palmer from the Orioles out there throwing the pigskin. Yeah, you really need to build around a quarterback. You and have to. You need an offensive line to protect them, which we don't have. Defense, Hainsworth. I'm gonna leave it at that. Hainsworth, just a big cry ass, sexual harassing <laughs> IQ of 85 kid toucher. I made that last part up. Uh, no, no, happened. yeah, you you made up the the kid toucher part, but Albert Hainsworth was recently accused of groping a woman, yeah. and his response was, I would never do that. I'm only in the white chicks. That was his defense. Because yeah. I guess she was, she was a black chick, and that was that's what he said to the police. That was the statement he gave. No, nah, everyone knows I'm only in the white chicks. Which you couldn't. You that's couldn't, almost more of a believable excuse, though. I mean, it does cop. it does sound it does sound like somewhat believable. But you want to talk about angering Redskins fans, especially if there are any black female Redskins fans, <laughs> right, yeah. or whatever whatever percentage there are. When they hear that, it's like, oh, okay. Now he's He's not even he's not even into sisters. He's only white chicks. Like you you really know how to aggravate a team you and do. A, an entire city. Did you get to your, your your original point of coming from DC to Baltimore? Or Jimmy from DC Baltimore to LA? I, I see that same psychosis with the Lakers, but it's odd for me because I have no vested interest in basketball. I mean, we've had the Wizards in DC, which have sucked forever, and then Baltimore had no basketball team. So it, it's interesting to have to kind of hang my hat on a different group of teams, you know, with uh, you know, Raiders, uh, the Kings. <laughs> who I can get behind the Kings, you know, as a hockey fan. But yeah. uh, you guys have a good MMA scene out here, though. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Southern California is, is, is definitely a hotbed for MMA. Strike Force originated out in California. Yeah, no, a lot of, I mean, I don't know what, maybe California had lax laws to begin with or just all these surfer guys got into the gym and started lifting weights. I don't know what it was about California, but it, Definitely was an early adopter. You know, you got uh, you got uh, all different types of guys coming from the Southern California scene. <coughs> well, you or got just Temecula, California, which put out um, uh, you got Team Quest, Dan Henderson, uh, you got Dan Henderson, Randy Couture, Matt Linlin, Chael Sonnen, Forrest Griffin. These are all champions or contenders and stuff like that. That's that's based out of Temecula. SoCal, right here. Yeah, you and, guys uh, love to fight. We're getting we're getting fired up here about sports. I uh, I don't know if I I think I asked you before. I don't know if you had heard this, but this is a, a Texas baseball coach. Logan's from Texas, of course, and this is uh, the college team, the Longhorns. This is a coach freaking out. And this my, I, this, those are my arch enemies, though. I went to Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, okay. But Oklahoma anyway, State. the state of Texas, their baseball coach. This is him freaking out after a game. Keep in mind, the team lost four to two. I don't know what the uh, what the other circumstances are, but this is his reaction to losing a game four to two. This is the speech he gives his baseball team. I, I don't know why they were documenting this or or what it was about. And what grade? This was high school. This is college. College. Okay. Okay. Yep. And uh, this guy is getting pretty fired up. This is Augie Garrido flipping out on his Texas baseball team. You know why? They don't have one guy on that team who can play for us, and they kicked the ever-loving shit out of us. <laughs> the score 
does not even reveal the difference in these two teams. If this was a fucking fist fight or a gang fight, which most of you don't know one fucking thing about. <laughs> it's like, not even can you guys know how to play baseball. You're a bunch of pussies who aren't even in gangs. <laughs> and you listen to this guy. Does the coach ever sound like he's ever sniffed a fucking gang? And <laughs> no. like, now, listen, when I was rolling hard with MS-13, jocking <laughs> bitches in my youth, Yo, I would raise up on a fool. Not a one of you knows anything about raising up. Huh? <laughs> Who here's trying to put some steel on a nigga's dome? He's got, yeah, he's got the pant leg, <laughs> leg rolled up. He's got a shiv in the back he's of his. He's pulling off a steel reserve 40 ounce. <laughs> uh, but it, it's so, it's so. It's like a pretty standard coach speech, though. Right, me. exactly. Yeah, so it's just, it's it just started fun. off like that. Yeah, he, he kind of loses it a little bit, but uh, yeah, here's some more. And it is just funny to hear old guys curse in, in any situation. I love it when an old white guy breaks down. We would be dead if it was a boxing match and each individual took the beating that we took here today. I wouldn't have to be doing this. i just come and visit your ass in the hospital and say, when you get your, the fucking wires off of your mouth from the broken jaw and you can see again because your eyes are swollen now and you can walk again because the guy just punched you in the gut 55 fucking times, all I'd have to say is, with all that, when you get better, we'll have a little chat about how this guy just fucking destroyed you. <laughs> Jesus and you Christ. Guys, we were talking about metaphor. We were talking about good improv. Now, this guy's a good improv. This dude is a great <laughs> improv guy. This is awesome improv. The, the, the imagery. The hilarity. I remember when we I would get should these... have been like a... a... Assistant coach doing yes and. <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember when I was in sports and when coaches would freak out like this, I I kind of had an outer body experience where I could just sit back because most of the time they were yelling at the players that played, so I didn't feel really that attached to the performance. So I, <laughs> I would just sit back and, and have to bite my lip because I even at that young age, I realized how hilarious this was that this guy was losing it so hard. Yeah, because he's living vicariously through his players. <laughs> exactly. And it, you make a great point. The, <clears throat> the mental imagery that he has is so clear. I would love if this dude was like a real cinephile or like a real movie buff and he started <laughs> Going into that side. Now see what happens. For <laughs> example, what you are is the resistance. All right, Skynet kicked the shit out of us today. All right, their quarterback was a T1000. You guys are T400s. Easy right. to spot. Rubber skin. <laughs> right. All, all right. his all his analogies are related to other more brutal sports or fighting or stabbing. But it would be funny if he was really into gaming, Transformers, any sort of other thing. See what we are. We are the United States Colonial Marines. All right. Now the Covenant. Is out there swooping in on us about to glass our goddamn planet. They glassed our goddamn planet while we're trying to find... He's really the, he's really into pugs. You guys are a bunch... That team is a bunch of hologram slammers that are just destroying you. Damn! Here's, here's some more. The, he has three separate flips out, flip, uh, flip outs. Flip outs. One is on the field where the guy... I, there wasn't... The audio wasn't that great. Then this was after... He had that one that we just heard, and this is another one where they're actually in the locker room. All right. In 15 minutes, you guys will probably all be fucking fine with this, okay? Basically saying, in 15 minutes, you guys will all move on with your life, and this just adds to my jolly <laughs> face. Like, this is why old guys get that loose skin around their neck, because they just can't take it anymore. That, that was my favorite part of my coach yelling at me, was just thinking, like, 
that ex- what exactly what he said. Thirty minutes from now, we're all gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like we're. Yeah, you're, you're just thinking about the sandwich again. your mom is making for you at home. You're yeah. not. Yeah, you're yeah, not you're just hoping nobody <laughs> ate all the bagel bites when you got home. This guy is totally. I mean, can you can you take a sniff? This guy's making it all about himself. He's living through his players. Oh, he and he's like, it. you're not gonna care about what I'm saying <laughs> at all. I'm dying in your arms tonight. <laughs> yeah. Must have been something you said, but it's not gonna matter in 20 minutes. Let's hear a little bit more. Coming up this way as fast as I can. That is the most humiliating game in the last fucking ten years I've been involved with. How can we fucking get picked on the first base? How can you do that? What the fuck is that about? What do you think you're fucking with here? I don't know, Elise. That's funny. Is that some goddamn game? This is about our lives! This is about some Braveheart stuff. Did he just say that? Yeah, he said, this isn't about some goddamn game. I'll rewind it here. Let's see if I can catch it. Play that again. Play that again. This is about our lives! (laughs) Here, one more time. This isn't about some goddamn game! This is about our lives! (laughs) I imagine... All right, right, we don't do sound effects on this show, but... No, that, that is. We may want to keep a, that clip. <laughs> that is a drop worthy. Does that guy not sound like he's hovering three to four feet above the ground in a magnetic <laughs> field, Magneto style, just scaring the shit out of every kid in there, slowly transforming fingers three or four inches longer, the fangs come out. It does. It does have kind of the evil genius thing, and it does. The guy puts it in perspective when he says, "Well, in his own in his own perspective, when he says this isn't a game, this is our lives." Now I, I immediately thought of, "Wow, what if you actually gave a speech where this is about your lives? Like, what if you are the the corporal or whoever's in charge of SEAL Team Six? What is that guy's pregame speech? And how can you top <laughs> this? How what you know? Bring this guy in and have him hype up the troops. I, I imagine it's much more reserved, but." When it actually is about someone's lives, how much higher energy and how much more importance can you put on it? What if we found out, like, totally dead opposite, <laughs> the SEAL Team 6 leader, we get audio of his, and it's the dead opposite. Like, I just want everybody to do yeah. their best. <laughs> I want you listen. to try real hard. If you, do, if you don't succeed, hey, turn that frown upside down. We're going to get a second chance. Has everyone had something to eat? Has everyone get here? Plenty of sleep tonight. Show a hand. Over your notes. Show a hands if anybody needs a snack before we take off. Because it's 120 miles an hour. I will. I'm not going to turn this Apache around. Okay. I will not. If you don't go to the bathroom now, you're not going to be able to go. I don't know if there's bathrooms in that compound. Okay. I don't think there is. They now, could have. They could guys, have a human shield blocking the bathroom. Okay. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not gonna. Now, guys, we need to talk about this helicopter that exploded. <laughs> I'm not blaming you. I'm but not mad. I'm not before mad. Before I start, I'm not mad. I'm a little disappointed in the way we handled it. That's all. <laughs> I just want to know: Did anybody happen to see? Did happen to see a fanny pack when we touched down? Because mine, dropped, I think, dropped fell the off. fanny pack. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome on the air the star of Townie Talk, the the segment that is sweeping the nation in small towns across the country. Zach, how you doing, Zach? Yo, what's going on, guys? Uh, not much, man. Uh, let's. Uh, I'll cue up your little theme song here for uh, Townie Talk. Nice. Fire away. All right. Now, of course, you know Zach. He's my uh, good friend from high school. He's uh, you know, he, still in the Lehigh Valley area. He hangs out there, and he, he likes to keep me posted and uh, the viewers in general. So, Zach, Zach, what's been going on in the Lehigh Valley as of late? Uh, not too much, really. <laughs> I mean, going around right that's, now. That's generally it's the update. Well, go ahead, dude. Sorry. Okay, that? no. So, and you, uh, you recently sent me an article from the Morning Call, the local paper. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's a 911 call. It's a, it's a short one because uh, most of the people around, I couldn't really find much good stuff this week because most of the people around here are hooked on bath salts. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, what's going on? There's a bath salt epidemic in uh, the Lehigh Valley? Yeah, like it's getting crazy over here. Like they're starting to thinking about banning it and stuff, and they're selling <laughs> at like weird head shops and shit like that. And people are just really getting into it now. Well, now by the way, what I heard was they call it bath salt, but it's not bath salt. It's literally a drug that they only sell for use as a drug, but it's somehow through like loopholes in right. states. Right, that's like, probably it's that's so goddamn genius. I mean, what if they just started calling heroin bath salt? Exactly. Like, hey, can well, you I don't run think and grab that's me some cabbage. Yeah, that's not what made it legal, but it's like a cousin of meth <laughs> that technically is legal. So they, so yeah, there's like an epidemic. I just heard about. That How do you today. use bath salt? I think they they just inhale it, right, uh, Zach? Yeah, um, people. The the newspapers have been saying that people inhale it. They or they put they put it in a syringe and shoot up like it's heroin or whatever. They're just getting. That's all they can. All people are doing here. Brings a whole new uh, clientele to Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> like some junkies coming in. Uh, what do you need? <laughs> a uh, massage pack for uh, grandma? No, just show me to the bath salts. I need 40 grams of bath salt. He's shaking, itching a scab on his neck. You hear something nasty? The neighborhood next to mine growing up was real real trailer and there were kids i shit you not would take insulin needles and inject hairspray in each other's oh. spines what it would give each other it apparently would give them a buzz i never did it <laughs> a Put, buzz that's all it gives a you. buzz <laughs> yeah that better give me a really and to breathe underwater for fucking 30 minutes <laughs> exactly. and inject hairspray in puts my into spine. perspective of me snagging a couple of bush lights from the old man all right so zach now what's uh what's been going on you got some you got some news hot off the press a morning call what's what are these uh local yokels been up to uh all right uh, the headline says 911 911 call, woman stuck on recliner wants help picking up remote control. <laughs> I love that she has the she has the audacity to call 911 and not not I imagine she made no attempt. She must have been kind of in some bath salt bender or something. <laughs> I, I imagine so. Um she she told a dispatcher she could not get the remote control herself. <laughs> she needed someone to come help her. Uh, she couldn't get off the recliner. <laughs> I'm dead. I guess yeah, you know the old one, uh, I'm falling and I can't get up. This is just, I'm sitting down and I can't bend down. <laughs> like, is there some medic alert bracelet that we should be developing for people who just can't get the remote? Well, now, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. It, it, it doesn't go into too much detail, but it says she just dropped it, so I'm guessing it's like right next to the chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's just out of reach. Oh, that's great. Oh, and, and then uh, it also said uh, the only other thing it really says is about around four. It was around 4:30 p.m. So I mean, nothing is on at 4:30 <laughs> yeah, p.m. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what is she? What was she watching that became so god awful that she had to switch it over? Oh my God, the reruns of DuckTunes I had my eye on is is over on Channel 11. What are you? What, yeah, really. What are you missing at 4:30? Maybe she was. Uh, yeah, che- I- Maybe she was checking out the Phillies pregame or something. I'm not sure. Now, Zach, you said you recently went to a uh, Snoop Dogg concert back home. Uh, yeah. Um, he actually came to this really dumpy place in Allentown uh, called Crocodile Rock. It's a terrible place and small. <laughs> they jam as many people in as they can, and then they throw half the people out. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I had, uh, my girl went, and a couple of her, fr- uh, her sister and her friend went, and they got there way earlier than me. So I came late just gonna buy a ticket by myself so i buy the ticket go in and all of a sudden there's all these dudes like i I was telling you about all these guys from high school that were already there like really early like the show didn't start till like 
um, 10, I guess. And, and I just got there around like around that time and people were there just totally wasted. <laughs> These guys were <laughs> all fucked up and they did not look good either. They were like a year or two older than us. Right. And they were a little, they were a little worse for the wear. They are the townies that are, they're kind of hitting the wall. The, the early thirties wall that townies have been known to hit where, you can you can party in your early 20s, your mid 20s, by the late 20s you kind of got to have something going on, somewhat of a career, and uh, yeah, so you you witness some townies literally hitting the wall, getting all cranked up on bath salts before they say <laughs> Snoop D O double G. What was the uh, what was uh, that yeah. crowd like, man? Like was it was a little thuggish, was it a little suburban? What was it? What was it like? Uh, there were a lot of white people there, but there were some there were definitely some ghetto characters roaming the streets. <laughs> um but I, I have to say though, our our people the people that we know from our high school that were like, you know, cool people back in the day, uh, they looked like shit. Most of them got fat and um, <laughs> they were the worst ones at the whole place. I mean, everybody else was chilling, hanging out, you know, singing Snoop, whatever. You know, booing the local other artists that came up. For some whoever, that's great. Whatever, whatever guy with a mixtape that's got to open up for Snoop. Whatever guy from Whitehall or Allentown that's the next big thing. Oh, dude, that was terrible. There were two like really out of shape, like dumb looking, grimy white kids, uh, <laughs> like almost dressed up like insane clown posse, and everyone was just people in the crowd turned their back on them. And stuff, but, um, <laughs> wow. That was funny, but our, our guys were the worst guys. They threw out. The one guy couldn't even he couldn't even speak. They tossed him out. They were just throwing people out left and right. They were all guys that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for the thanks for the update, Zach. So the townies can't stay sober enough to sit through a Snoop Dogg concert. I like Jesus. it, man. Yeah, thanks crazy. for calling well, in, Zach. Not gonna happen. All right, thanks, bro. See you, All right. That's a uh, nice little addition to townie talk there we got going. Love hearing about people that used to be just such hot shit <laughs> yeah. that have crashed and burned from it your does, high school. It does make you feel a little bit better. Did Even you have any I, of those? Did you? Oh, yeah. Did you caught up with down the line? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially well, especially guys who are really good at sports. That's the easiest one because if you're really good at high school athletics, sure, maybe you get a college scholarship and things work out for you. But in general, yeah, if you're really great or if you were the star athlete – Having all that testosterone at an early age or growing big like that or just having people look up to you, adults, especially if you're it's a small-time thing, it, it never works out for you. I had a dude. This was this was one of the most, like, karmic highs I've ever had in the ninth grade, Miss Shamdani's Spanish class. I had this really gnarly, just hessian, mullet-looking haircut. I was a skater. And uh, I was growing this mullet as a joke, but it kind of wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah. like, I've done those before. Yeah. Well, Hey, the, guys, do you think this mustache is funny? Secretly, I like no, the mustache. No, seriously, do you like it? <laughs> Does it look cool on me? Because if not, it's just a joke. But if right. it is, I'll keep it. Either way, I'll keep <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But these, uh, these two dudes, remember, it was J- Jason Willis, Robert Schollenberger, beat the shit out of me in the classroom. The teacher turned her back because she was like a um, one of those, what do they call it, like a booster? For the football team, yeah. she ignored oh it. God. They beat my ass Damn. and shaved my head in oh, the class. Man. They took uh, they took a razor. They were threatening to do it for weeks. I was always like shooting smart ass comments, like they were you know whatever. And one of them finally take it and does a swipe across my head, takes a a chunk out of my head. Oh. Third period of the day, I've got seven to go. Nothing happens to these dudes. This is like a varsity linebacker and a, and a, and a running back. Nothing's gonna happen to them. I deal with the shame. Three and a half years ago, I go back to my hometown in Waldorf. I pull up to an Exxon. By accident, I get into the full service lane. <laughs> sure enough, Jason Willis's fat, 
thick, balding, pale, Tasmanian devil tattoo-covered <laughs> ass comes crawling yes. out of there. And I lock eyes with him, and he looks at me, and we meet. I'm like, you mother... I'll take $3. And <laughs> yeah. I bought $3 of gas to make him have to pump 3 bucks. So he pumps 3 bucks. Then I have him buy me a Snickers bar. <laughs> and then I ask for $3 more. And oh, I just make eye awesome. contact with him the entire time. Nice. Oh, it was so nice that Did I you had know that. Was going uh, on? Totally knew. <laughs> totally <laughs> knew exactly who it was. Wow. Because I still drove the same car. That is sweet. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, obviously that feels good having uh, having people put in their place. I thought about, I literally thought about writing and directing a movie and putting a character in it that was a fat piece of shit and naming it after this kid I grew up with that always picked on me. <laughs> and now, like, I've recently been like, oh, wow, if that really happened, that would be so petty of me. Like, that'd almost be sad on no, my part. No, embrace that shit. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying if but what happened to you was a total accident, yeah. total karma, and you had an opportunity, like, I'd kill for something like that. No, no, you need to do that. You need to come up I with, like... I think if like, I do a movie, it almost makes me look like sour grapes. Like, I'm well, still thinking about it. Yeah, if it was just one kid picking on you, yeah, you'd exactly. dedicate an entire movie about that. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, I, I like, you know, the gay community uh, in 2005. You know, remember uh, Senator Rick Santorum? Yeah. Remember that he was... This, this guy was just a staunch bastard for blocking any type of gay rights and gay marriage right before it became the hot button issue. Like he did everything he could to damn near illegalize the, the, the act of being a homosexual and the entire gay community bonded together and named the substance that when you are done having sex with another man <laughs> and the mixture of all your funk downstairs, they call it Santorum. Now. That, that is awesome. The, the mixture of KY seed uh. breakfast and whatever. Oh, that frothy oh, gravy. Man, by the way, seed Santorum. Se- seed sounds nice. Sounds <laughs> way better than jizz or <laughs> Logan's, Logan's, Logan's getting hungry over there. For some no, I was just saying, like, that's a nice way seed. to say it. Here Johnny, comes Johnny my Apple seed. seed. <laughs> well, we're we, oh, briefly uh, talking about revenge here, and of course we took out Osama Bin Laden. And now, it was one of the greatest moments that, of course, we killed Osama Bin Laden, and that he didn't come back to have a trial because... Even even now, in the wake of this, we still have his sons shooting off at the hip uh, by saying stuff like this. In fact, Osama bin Laden's sons have spoken out for the first time after his killing in America's Abbottabad operation. In a statement released to the New York Times... First off, she sounds like an impartial journalist. <laughs> ...they have lashed out at the United States, saying they violated basic legal principles by killing an unarmed man. The statement says, and I quote, Why was Osama bin Laden not arrested and tried in a court of law? Propriety of such assassination where not only international law has been blatantly yeah. violated, but right to a fair trial ignored, we maintain that arbitrary killing is not a solution to political problems. Now, in, in defense uh, who, of Osama bin Laden's wait, sons... statement was she reading? The uh, Osama bin Laden's sons, who <laughs> could not look more the role of spoiled rich kids. Like, the one has really long hair, but it's braided, kind of like dreads. Isn't crazy corn and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. He, looks like, he looks like a guy trying to get his dad's attention. And in, their, in Osama bin Laden's son's defense... Not that they have a great defense. I mean, they're related to the guy, but they've never, they, you know, they totally abandoned him years ago and didn't, obviously weren't for his killings at 9-11. But, yeah, it does feel good to have revenge. And it does feel good, whether it's getting a bully to pump your gas or whether it's writing a movie about someone who picked on you or shooting a guy in the eye who flew a plane into some buildings. Did you revenge hear what he does said? Feel good. Did he hear, he's, 
shooting an un- uh, that you shot an unarmed man yeah. because everyone in the towers was packing, right. asshole. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to talk about unarmed people and how it's a, le- a violation of international law. I think when you're flying planes in a building, international laws go out the window. Yeah, when you're using Boeing 747s, like intercontinental ballistic missiles, I don't think we're going to sit down and have a stern talking to with the man <laughs> right. yeah, about his easy. past transgressions. We're going to throw a hollow point up in his brain pan <laughs> and then tap dance on his goddamn corpse. Are you kidding? You know what? We should be allowed to kill his sons and daughters. Yeah, exactly. Just because they're related. Makes sense. In creative ways. Well, man. Sexually with American gladiators. It's been fun, Justin. Appreciate it, man. We got to, unfortunately, we got to wrap things up. Logan, you want to, uh, you want to wrap things up with the haiku? Yes, I do. Let's do it. Crazy baseball coach. Alternative laziness. Can't reach the remote. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Logan, for that haiku. And Justin, of course, thank you very much for coming in and doing the show. Where can people get more Justin? Uh, I got a new website just rolled out this week, funnyjustin.com. Going to be adding to that. You can find me online, 98online.com, if you want to listen to the radio show. And if you happen to book a room around here, please... Hit him up. <laughs> Accept me. Exactly. I'm trying. He's a funny stand-up comedian, funny guy, great radio host. Appreciate you, having you on. We do it live every Thursday, 8 o'clock on LATalkRadio.com. This has been The Green Room. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Check out SeanTGreen.com and click the iTunes link to subscribe to the podcast. Or follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also check out TheComedyGarageMovie.com. <laughs>